Hello and welcome back to another video on this channel. Today we're going to be doing something a bit different. As you can see here, I'm not having a word with me in this video. Today I've just been trying something new and I'll be doing these like maybe these short kind of self videos I'm making. Uh, I'm not really sure how they'll go, but essentially the plan is, is that I'm going to be starting a new series talking a bit more about the apologetics um, side of Christianity. I know recently I've been talking a lot about Genesis, a lot about the Bible, a lot about psychology, literature, but... This is indeed, at its roots, an apologetic channel, or at least that, that is kind of where it started off from. So as a result, I wanted to make some of that content from, for you. And as you can see already in the title above in this video, it is indeed called Why the Kalam Cosmological Ar Argument is So Effective. Today, I'm just going to be talking about a few of the different strengths of the Kalam Cosmological Argument, why I think it's one thing which will never really go away, and also really just talk a bit more about how it impacts apologetic scene as a whole. Now, of course, if you enjoy this new series where I talk a lot about apologetics, then of course, let me know in the comments below and hit the like button. These are ways you can tell me or reflect to me that you really like what I'm doing here. And that's always a good way to let me know or a way that I used to judge. Well, what type of content do you like? What content do you not like? So just let me know your thoughts about that below. So first of all, let's talk about, well, why is the Kalam cosmological argument so successful? In order to understand that, we must first understand what is the Kalam cosmological argument. And of course, this ties in with um, the, cos the cosmological argument as a whole. But what I think that the Kalam cosmological uh, argument does so well is it talks about the principle of causation, and then it talks about the finitude of the past, two kind of scientific, and I wouldn't say scientific proofs, but rather commonly accepted scientific um, discussions by most people in society. So it's somewhere which is a very good leaping board into uh, further Christian discussions or apologetics discussions, which I think is a very good thing. Because after all, the main goal of apologetics isn't necessarily to immediately evangelize to someone, but first of all, to, to kind of categorize Christian belief as a reasoned kind of discussion that's not completely idiotic. And it's also to just raise questions, provoke um, thought in both the atheist and the Christian. So I think that uh, that is one of the strengths of what the Kalam cosmological is and how it applies to others. It, it really provokes thoughts and really helps you develop what you're trying to move forward in. Well, what exactly are you trying to do uh, with the apologetic scene? And of course, if you are if you're interacting with a specific person who's really interested in history or you're at, interacting with someone who's really specific in Aristotelian teleology, then, of course, you might want to be using other kind of arguments for the existence of God or just other discussions. However, just for the sake of perhaps if you're just interested as a whole, this is one of the reasons why the Kalam cosmological argument is so helpful. Now, perhaps we can push this a bit further and say, well, what are the greatest strengths of the Kalam as an argument? As we've established, apologetics is less so of necessarily proving 100% that God exists, but rather raise questions about this issue and also lead to thought about the issue. And one of the reasons why I think the Kalam cosmological comes in is really the idea that instead of trying to prove that God exists, and I don't think that's a goal of apologetics, of course, if you disagree with me, let me know in the comments below. Essentially, I think the goal of apologetics is really to demonstrate that Christianity is reasonable. And as a result, when we're turning to the Kalam, the premises of if the assuming that there is a causal chain, there's a causal principle within all physical objects or all limited objects, depending on what causal principle you're referring to or using, but assuming there's a causal principle and that the universe is finite, it follows that as long as your first uh, causal principle applies to all physical objects, then you realize that it applies or you then have a problem of, well, 
there must be a metaphysical first cause of the universe. And that's as far as it gets you. It's not necessarily getting you to the Christian God, but it gets you to a discussion where there must at least be one metaphysical entity which caused the universe or one at least entity might sound too free will like perhaps, but one personal object or one personal being which caused the universe and whether you call that God or whatever, that's still up to discussion. And that's not something that I'll be discussing in this video. However, I think that it is just some way where you can start off by saying, well, yes, we're getting towards a God discussion. At least that means the physicalist views do not work. And it's a recent discussion that I've been raising when I've been discussing with a lot of atheists is I'm first saying, well, the metaphysical side of the world, or at least metaphysics do indeed exist precisely because there must be a metaphysical cause. It's not even about God or whatever. Of course, lots of people I'm discussing this with do misinterpret me as I, I'm saying, well, this immediately points to God, but that's not really the intent of what I'm doing. I'm just saying, well, the metaphysical exists and that might be used as a leaping board off into other further apologetics discussion or at least Christian thought as well. So it could be seen as a bridge towards a certain conclusion. And what I feel very good about these premises is that the strength of each individual premise implies the strength of its conclusion in the sense that when you have a deductive argument, if the premises are all true, then the conclusion has to be true as well, as long as the, the reasoning is valid, of course. And with the Kalam sense, if both of the arguments are reasonable, it follows the conclusion is reasonable. It might not be that both of them are true, but at least if they are reasonable to hold, then it could be reasonably held to be the conclusion. And of course, when we're interacting with a lot of people in the world, it you, people like to demand this complete 100% certainty, but that's never been how people interact or or wrestle with beliefs. It's never been about, I need to have 100% proof for a certain idea. That's never the goal of discussion or at least apologetics or even just reasoning as a whole. Science has never been about 100%. It's what most probable, what is the most reasonable hypothesis. And as long as the Kalam cosmological argument has reason, reasonable premises, it follows that the conclusion is reasonable as well. So what we see is that, well, the the idea that there is a causal principle, of, of course, people will be a human, they might be a skeptic, they might doubt causation, but by and large, it is going to be most reason is more reasonable than not even just intuitively to say that a causal principle held is whole is is held. It doesn't matter whether it is you want to view it as in it must be true or it's most reasonable, but that's not really important for what I'm trying to say in this video. What I'm saying is, is that these premises are more reason are reasonably held. You could disagree with it, but still accept that it's reasonably held. I disagree with a lot of what um, other people say. I I disagree with a lot of their ideas, but still I can think that I disagree with you, but I think it could, it's reasonable. I see where you're coming from. I just think that there might be another hypothesis, which is better. And in the same way, it might be reasonable to hold that the causal principle is true, even if they disagree with it fundamentally. They can view that at, it as at least reasonable. Then the same goes with, well, the the past is finite, at least the physical past is finite. Well, that is reasonable as well. You have those two reasoned um, ideas, then you fundamentally reach a conclusion, a reasonable conclusion at that, in which the that there must be a metaphysical cause of the universe. And that's kind of where you get to. And I think that this is one of the reasons why the Kalam cosmological argument is so effective. Now, of course, if you want me to talk more about why I find each of these premises reasonable, let me know in the comments below. But essentially, this video really isn't to do that rather just to establish why I think the Kalam cosmological argument can be used in multiple different ways. And I hopefully this video has just provided some thoughts or some ideas about how you can use the Kalam cosmological argument. Maybe not in the far William Lane Craig way, this demonstrates that God exists, but even the shortest or, or the most restrained way to just say, well, the metaphysical and at least one metaphysical being exists. That is also something which is very, very effective in the road to theism. So that's something which you can definitely bear in mind and is something which could be viewed as very helpful for you. 
So I hope you've enjoyed this video. If you enjoyed this video, make sure to like and subscribe. It really means a lot to me. It really helps this channel grow. Let me know in the comments if you like these short series. I'll make more of these videos for you. They take really short time for me to prepare and record, so I'll happily make more of them for you. Like always, stay safe, my friends. See you soon. Thank you for watching, and goodbye.